Hello, welcome back to Talking Their Language with Helen Bodell. Today we have got our guest speaker, Sabah Malik, and we are talking all about outdoor learning, which is perfect for this week within lovely weather of England that we don't usually get. Um, so welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you here. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, Helen. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, my name is Sabah Malik, and I've been working in senior leadership over the last 10 years across London. I'm currently working in a large infant school in Hillingdon and lead the early years, including a 120-place nursery. I have a Master's in Leadership and Management, looking specifically, in my dissertation, in the important role parents play as early educators, supporting accelerated learning and progress. I do have a keen interest in wellbeing, coaching and staff development and leading on developing a bespoke CPD training schedule for staff, including new teachers and initial teacher training. Recently, I've been working alongside other schools in a cluster in developing the curriculum offer as we work through the post-pandemic education recovery plan. Wow, brilliant. That's um, fantastic. And we'll talk a little bit about the post-pandemic education recovery plan a bit later because I think people have got a real interest in that, especially um, since COVID and all the sort of issues that brought um, so we're here today to discuss outdoor learning um, and you work in a large infant school. So how does outdoor learning fit into your curriculum? I think outdoor learning is really, really important and it's definitely an integral part of what we offer as a school. Certainly living in London has its challenges um, being a large urban conurbation and very built up. So it's really important for us, particularly because the children we have are very young between three and seven years old, it's very important for us to for them to have access to the outdoors. Um, and we're quite unassuming. So when you see our school, it just looks like a normal kind of school. But behind our schools, we have access to a field, a forest school area and a playground. And it's really important for the children to have access to all three. So in addition to the outdoor learning that we offer, we we have a forest school programme. We have members of our staff who are trained as forest school leaders. And we have a schedule whereby every class has an opportunity to access the forest school area on a termly basis. And um, in addition to that, we have the, the playground and the field, which are accessed as part of the curriculum during the course of the year. So we'll be accessing the playground for things like PE. We do the daily mile. Um, we access the field, which we share with our joining junior school on um, big events like sports days, but also other um, events like athletics and training. Um, and even with very young children, it's important for them to get into a real rhythm of a- accessing the outdoors on a larger scale because essentially it's the third classroom you know you have your you have your indoor kind of spaces you have the classroom and then you have the outdoors which is which is really important I think also it's really it's really essential that your staff buy in to the school vision about using the outdoors if you have staff that are quite outdoorsy that love the outdoors that love being outside that can see real potential in the outdoors um, for things like growing and, and things like that um, then I think that that's a real key and it's important to kind of nurture that by providing kind of essential training, um, additional training um, as well. Um, so yeah. staff feel that their expertise and skills are really valued. I mean, recently we've been working on our school development plan and one of the things that we kind of look into um, with that is how we can use our outdoor learning space to provide you know, a richer experience for our children. So we're thinking about maybe kind of expanding into into getting a beehive for example and looking at the the way that 
um, bees support our our countryside about kind of you know their role as pollinators and then again how that links in with food we've also um yeah it really is honestly I love all finding out about things like that it's and and actually the kids really love it as well because you know if you have children that are not necessarily very academic you find that they have skills that kind of present themselves when they're in their element outdoors um because there's no right or wrong essentially um especially you know within the forest school curriculum it's very much about the children being on their own learning journey of exploration and I think that that's really important yeah yeah really very much so and and also with regards to kind of children who have English as an additional language being in the outdoors allows them to experience things and attach language to those experiences so I think that that's really important that's something that we really try and and do as well yeah wow yeah um they just love being outside, don't they? And it's like getting a mess and things like that that you don't have to sort of control, isn't it? Like inside yeah. the classroom, which is good. The um, nice thing about forest schools is that we have um, our own uniform. So the children oh, wear their school uniform and they just they just plonk on, you know, a jacket and some waterproof trousers. And they can they can even go and roll in the mud for all they, you know, if they want yeah. to, because it actually really doesn't matter. And I think that that's the important thing about the outdoors, making it accessible yeah just making sure that everyone can join in um and it's a real kind of inclusive um event yeah definitely i mean you have those parents don't you, that don't want to have mess in the house and everything else but it's that opportunity <laughs> isn't it to, to have a good go um, exactly so yeah we know there's so many benefits um for children being outside i've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old um they absolutely love being outside so we spend a lot of our time in nature um, and I think even as adults, we know that if you've had a stressful day at work or going for a walk or going to the beach or whatever, you feel so much better. So what would you say are the main benefits of outdoor learning for the children you teach? Um, I think that there are there are lots and lots of benefits um, of being outdoors. Um, I think definitely um, we're seeing a lot more children, um, very young, sadly, who are coming into schools with um, high levels of anxiety um, and children who who are struggling with um, social settings, particularly um, the children that haven't had the access through the pandemic to, um, you know, services that a children's centre might offer or, you know, a mums and toddlers group might offer. So we're finding that's definitely something when we do our baseline assessments, that's something that we're finding a lot of children are really struggling with. So the ability to interact with their peers and to form those social bonds Um, is something that the outdoors is really there for and it encourages so so much and you know online I mean you do have to be selective online but definitely there are there's so much out there with regards to companies who have who have got you know activities that you can do that kind of encourage different elements of the early years curriculum so communication language um, physical development but also kind of like that whole personal social and emotional development as well which is so so important and and you mentioned there just with regards to being outdoors and how how good it makes you feel and how good it is for the zen and I think that's definitely something to recognize and if you have a staff body who are really behind that and who really believe that philosophy then I think it makes your job as a manager certainly my job as a manager really easy because I already have a staff who are willing and committed to trying you know new things um to support our children with with regards to what works and also just thinking about children as individuals so not not thinking um about them as a number or a group or you know thinking about their particular needs and about what might work for them and just recognizing their their interests and thinking that actually you know what 
Layla really loves to be kind of, you know, at, outdoors because she's really into kind of like unicorns and ponies and things like that and how we can integrate the outdoors into to kind of you know things that she's really into um and and likewise you know you you might have some of your boys who are who are kind of into building and construction and things like that currently we have a lot of construction going on in our school and you know the boys are looking at the diggers and they're looking at you know the the cement mixes coming in and actually just you know using that as a as a point of learning is so important yeah. and and helping them to to kind of the recognize that actually there are others who have the same interests really builds that social connection with their peers which is not necessarily something that they might be able to do on their own yeah definitely I was thinking about den building and things then as well they love that sort of thing don't they yeah absolutely and having the space for it as well in 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 the forest school area we have we have a company who who come in and they do things like wigwams with the with oh, the children wow. and things like um you know swinging from the tree you know like like old school things that yeah we probably did when we were little like climbing trees and things like that you know there's there's a lot of health and safety um that we have to consider in schools now but you know companies who like them who come into schools and who are able to kind of expose children to some of those old school fun things that that we used to do in a safe way is great because then children children it encourages language and and development and also that social interaction as well because then they're talking about oh you know I've had a go at climbing this tree and you know it was really high and you know all that language comes in and you're kind of bringing in elements of the curriculum across across the curriculum which is great yeah definitely I mean and they'll be the days that they'll remember the most you know I bet if you ask them at the very end of the year but they're some of the best days they've had in school yeah 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 exactly and staff will enjoy it as well I bet they have some of the best days you know when you just get to enjoy the children you know and enjoy working with them I think you know outside. I think that's that's really important and I think definitely um the staff enjoyment factor is is really key um because ultimately we all know that if you're teaching something that you feel passionate about and you feel excited about then those are your best lessons because yeah. the children kind of you know pick up on the enthusiasm and they pick yeah, up on on how you feel as well isn't it Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that that's that's the the really the really nice thing because in in my particular setting we do have um, staff who are bilingual as well, so you know they're supporting children not only in in learning English but they're also supporting them in kind of you know establishing that foundation in their home language so they can carry that knowledge across, which I think is really important, oh, um, yeah. particularly when you have that um, you know on the podcast with other guests about the importance of the home language and how Mm. you know some cultures don't realize that that's what we want to encourage the home language you know and some people don't use it anymore Mm -hmm. you know they're not sure of what the rules are if you know what I mean but there are yeah no rules and 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 I think that families who who maybe have come to the UK you know for um as economic migrants they feel like they're they've they need to to leave their culture behind and their language behind um in order to to ensure that their children get the best possible start but it's about kind of providing information for parents as well to say that you know these two can work in tandem together so they can have access to home language and they can have access to all of the the really brilliant things about their culture because that puts them in good stead to learn a new language because if they know the name for a cup in home language and they know they know you know what it is then they'll be able to to kind of like transfer that into to a new language because they already have that vocabulary that they can go on and develop which is which is really important yeah oh that's that's fantastic um 
so as we're talking specifically sort of for EAL learners, um, how do you think outdoor learning can support language acquisition? I think that um, the first thing to consider is that when we're talking about EAL learners specifically, um, as a as a practitioner, you often worry that um, you're doing things right. So there's a real kind of tendency to um, to think what what can I do to help? Um, and when the children, I mean, all children are individual when they learn, but EAL learners generally tend to have a silent period. And thinking, is that normal? Is that is that is there something that I can do to help this kind of end quicker? Um, and things. So I think there's lots of questions as a practitioner that you that you would ask. And um, we've already spoken about do I promote home language? Um, that's something that you know would be going through a practitioner's mind as well. And how can I um, encourage real experiences and um, into the curriculum that I'm teaching? So I think that all of these things are are kind of really important to to consider and when we're supporting EAL learners in the classroom you you think about how you can um allow the natural the environment to be a teacher in a way so having things like labels um around um you know even outdoors can um can support EAL learners I mean we have that with um outdoor learning a growing area we have like labels all around like you know trees plants things like that and also um, within the forest school curriculum, allowing children the access to to real experiences. So, you know, we have an open campfire. We have, you know, base camp. We have yeah. um, the opportunity for children to to work in teams as well. So to encourage cooperation. Um, and I think that through that, through kind of like peer learning, it, it supports the, the learning um, generally. Um, because yeah, uh, regardless of how how much you kind of like teach one child what they can learn from their friends and what they can learn from being in a social situation is is probably more than more than anything really um yeah. and also just with regards to kind of like um role play role play um in the outdoors is really really important we have a set cortex every half term and that changes and we allocate a role play area um to to the book so for example recently we've been uh, reading Billy and the Beast by Nadia Shireen which is a lovely story about um, a little girl who who is is quite strong and brave and she kind of you know goes up against a beast and um, as part of that learning we had um, a role play area which was a um, a cafe um, because it's all about food etc and it allowed children to the opportunity to go on the phone and um, to kind of you know write lists and make appointments and to take orders and things like that and there'll be some children who are kind of far, quite far ahead and who have you know been yeah. in those settings and things like that and for our EAL learners who may necessarily not have had that opportunity in English to be exposed to that um, yeah. and you know and what we've seen is that children kind of say oh yeah well you come into the cafe now you need to sit here and and I'm going to give you a menu so you decide what you want and and then you just take the take the muffin because that's really nice you know and all of that language that they're they're kind of you know sharing is really important and you know I can we can all you know stand in front of the classroom and kind of impart this knowledge but it won't be as effective as as kind of like providing those little experiences and routines 
yeah, that I can I can just picture it exactly how you um, <laughs> how you're saying it. They're just brilliant, aren't they? Um, all the children learning off each other all the time. I see that with my two. Like my two year old is so much like so far advanced compared to what my three year old was at the time because she just learned so yeah. much of her sister. You know, yeah. she just does everything the same as her. Just mimic all the time, yeah. don't they? Exactly. And I think that when when they're quite close in age as well, they tend to to kind of pick up so much. And and the youngest, I mean, I've got a younger sister myself. She's almost a hype girl because she's almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes when you're not feeling it, they they kind of like push you and you think, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. And and it's great. And it kind of goes on, which is brilliant. Yeah. So seeing that in the classroom is just... um fabulous isn't it and especially like you say with that silent period and it does really worry you but when they come out of it and they're so confident and they start picking up things it's just a magical moment isn't it in the classroom yeah and I think the other thing is um to think about the kind of like the levels of the the EAL levels of learning as well like you know having that silent period and then what comes next and then what comes next I mean the other thing that we do is we provide um children with with kind of like you know like in in literacy you have like a writing frame or you have yeah. like um you know a cl- closed procedure we provide children with kind of like like verbal phrases that they can okay, then yeah, use like so you know scaffolding yeah absolutely so that they can use those phrases you know when they're accessing the outdoors um please may i have um you know can i have a turn you know those sorts of what phrases that they will then be able to use in different contexts and then associating them with a kind of real life experience kind of tends to cement that 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 kind of um experience for them which is great yeah and i mean it's all the sensory things as well isn't it um for those learners with the outdoors you know you're always going to remember it more if you've really experienced it or Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. got got your hands in the mud and you're going to remember that more aren't you than talking about it in the classroom and and yeah exactly and in addition to that you know having things like a mud kitchen or a mud lab um and you know a sand area and a water area you know it all adds to those those experiences and we're always looking for for how we can um especially in the early years and with our early with our EAL children I mean we have over 90% of our children speaking a different language so and and they're all at different stages because there are some families who have um been in the country and they're they're kind of you know second generation so even yes. though they do speak another language at home they're very much aware of kind of you know the children are very much aware of kind of like English and home language and then we have those children who are so new to the country because we were quite close proximity to Heathrow airport yeah. and they've just literally just kind of you know come new to the country and then we have other children who have you know come to the UK via other countries in Europe so originally they might be from Nepal but they've come to you know Italy and then they've come on to the UK um so we have you know those children educational experiences on the way they've had other yeah yeah, other educational experiences but also other uh, exposure to other languages as well so you know having staff who are EAL themselves is is great and that's kind of like one of our biggest assets I would say and also just kind of you know having different types of experiences within the the outdoors so you know how can we use the mud lab how can we use the mud kitchen how can we use the sand play area um and the water area we've got a musical instrument trolley as well and you know thinking about musical instruments that may not necessarily be from you know british culture but other cultures as well um you know because yeah, then so that, that allows as well which bringing that cultural diversity and also that encourages conversation and language because then children will recognize it from you know the home and from and then it brings that marries those two experiences together because they might have you know that same musical instrument at home 
that they will see yeah, in school and then it encourages talk. Or nursery rhymes and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so for your um, masters, your dissertation focused on parents as early educators, sort of those um, accelerating progress. So what can you tell us about about that? I think that um, the first thing to consider, and I, and I think we were talking about this earlier, Helen, was that they don't teach you, you know, how to support parents when you're at teacher training. So I think that's definitely something that you learn on the job. Um, And I think over the years in in my capacity as a leader, I think that really valuing the experience that parents can bring, particularly in the early years, is so, so important because already you're kind of providing a platform for parents to build a strong relationship on because they feel that they've been listened to and they feel like you're really making an effort to understand their context which is so so important and I think the thing that I really learned from from my dissertation was that there are two types of parent um, involvement in school and there's there's one which is parent engagement and parent involvement so you know parents who who are supporting you as a school who are kind of like you know sitting down with their kids and doing the homework that sort of thing that's really important but where you want to be is where you have parents who are actively taking part in things like you know the PTA or coming in to volunteer read or you know when you're celebrating World Book Day volunteering to to read a story in their home language or saying you know I have an interest in uh, gardening you know I've got my own floristry business um would it be possible if I can do some hours with with the nursery children in their growing beds and things like that and I think that's that's really important and and actually it's not it's not in isolation i think that very often we're so busy in schools with you know all the things that we have to do the planning the assessment you know all that admin stuff that we have to do but the parents and bringing parents into the classroom is such an important asset and it's a really great resource that we that i i feel like we we don't perhaps think about as a resource yeah. um and i think that we think oh gosh you know it's just something else to organize but actually you know if you have a culture within the school where you are inviting parents in you know on a regular basis then it almost becomes a norm and not like a a one-off or or a novelty yeah yeah absolutely and you're not kind of you know it's not just you're not just ticking a box um because it's it's a really real experience and the other thing that I really think and this supports kind of like teacher workload is how we can organize these sorts of um interactions with our parents so they fit in with our um, curriculum so at the end of every year I'll sit down with my team and we have a look at our, our long-term plan and we'll look at our cortex and we'll look at our experiences and we'll look at our golden moments and we'll say what works what can we tweak and change and how can we involve parents um you know especially like um you know parents who you know maybe are involved working in other sectors I mean in the next couple of weeks we've got a um, a careers week coming up and you might think, you know, having a careers week with, you know, three between three and seven year olds is, you know, is a bit much. But actually, they love it. They really, really oh, love I it because they all know they all know what they want to be when they grow up. I mean, you know, some children have lots of manifestations before. Oh, yeah. they, My um, daughter you know. she's like, wants to be a doctor, a nurse, a fire engine. Yeah. I was like a firewoman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she goes through them all. But we'd visited somebody in hospital recently, and um, she was just an absolute awe of the nurses and the doctors because she always amazing. talks about it. She does role play at home, so when they oh, were actually saw in action, it was like, 
you know, it was like a celebrity. It was amazing. She oh, really, really good. So I can That's see amazing. it like a careers week. Yeah. Like a careers week. And then at the end of the week, they get an opportunity to dress up in, in the career that they, you know, they choose um, for that particular day. And what's really lovely is that recently um, we had a, um, a school tour, a parent school tour, and I was talking to the parents and things. And as we were talking, one of the parents said that they are, um, they work for the RSPCA. And, you know, so we end up talking about the careers week and things. And um, and he said, you know, I don't mind coming in and having a chat with the kids. And, I, and so now, um, very fortunately, he's going to be coming in and talking to the children about the work that he does. And oh, and I think that, you know, interactions like that can happen yeah. by chance. But actually just being able to recognise and say, you know, this is how we can support our children. And actually, you know, it would be so good for, for his daughter to see, you know, dad coming into school. But also it's great for the other kids as well to know that this is somebody who's part of our school community. Yeah, they're so proud, aren't they? And she'll be so proud of her dad. And but like yeah. you say, it builds that community, doesn't it? And if that's yeah. embedded in your school culture, you know, it's mm. such a lovely place for the children and for the staff, isn't it? Yeah, and and some of the the um, parents who were coming back to speak to the kids about their jobs have actually attended the school themselves. So we've got oh. one one lady who's coming back who's a pharmacist, and she went to the school herself. And it's really great because it kind of like yeah. shows you know you where you can go, and you know the um, the individual coming back also speaks English as an additional language. So you know when she would have been at school, she would have been one of those kids, and now she's gone on, she's been really successful, and and things. So it's it's yeah really lovely and also just part of creates that kind of community vibe yeah yeah that's brilliant um so could you tell us now some of your top tips for effective um outdoor education for our listeners so after sort of going through it with your own school and your own experience what would you say if some schools maybe listening haven't sort of dipped the toe in the water yet what would you say for them to do um, I would say the first thing I would say is um, understand the stages of um, EAL learning. I think that there's lots of really great resources out there. Um, the Bell Foundation are fantastic. Yeah. Lots of local authorities have um, got resources. Brighton and Hove City Council have got some great resources. Um, and so do Oxford, Oxfordshire County Council. They've got some great resources on um, the stages of EAL and, and what you can do. Um, the other thing that I would say is um, ensure that your staff are on board, ensure that they have the relevant training and um, they have the opportunity and platform to share their experiences. Um, I think that that's, that's really important because it, it allows a professional dialogue where staff can feel that they are being supported by management, but also they feel that they have an opportunity to share good practice. And I think that that celebrating that is really good. And I think that that's something that as a school, we've done a lot of over the last couple of years since the pandemic. And it kind of, it does embed itself into our recovery plan because being able to share good practice that's happening inside of our school is so great um, because yeah. it, it allows staff that platform to share, which is brilliant. Um, <clears throat> I would say that um, using the outdoors as the third classroom um, is is really really important, and finding um, other practitioners or other schools locally within your cluster that do it really well um, that you might be able to speak to. So kind of like you know that whole networking thing, I think is really yeah. important because sometimes you kind of read something online and you think, oh, that sounds really great, but what does it actually look like in practical terms? And when you see somebody doing it and say, actually, do you know what? I saw this on a website and we've tweaked it for our context. I think that's a really important thing because not not everyone's school is the same. 
And you have to really look at your context and you have to really look at, you might be doing similar things, which is great. And that's what we want to see. But being able to be in a a place where you can say, do you know what, we're going to tweak that a little bit because that's going to suit our families and our children better. I think that that's that's the real kind of advantage for sure. It's like where we've talked about um, children learning better, sort of hands-on and everything else. And it's the same with teachers, isn't it? It's so much better when you can go into someone's classroom or someone's area and they can show you it in practice. Yeah, and it's that aha moment. You go, oh, okay, that's yeah. how you're doing it. Yeah, and that'll work in ours, yeah. And um, yeah, you bounce ideas off each other, like you say, networking's so important, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, and in your introduction, you've spoken about creating sort of a post-pandemic education recovery plan. Um, what, how does it feel and what does it look like after COVID now, your school? And can you tell us the impact it's had on your EAL learners in their education and how you're sort of planning to recover from that? Yeah, I think it's really important when you're considering a plan of any kind um, is to to understand where you are currently um, as a school. And I think that we've had lots of um, conversations about that. Um, We have an annual kind of school development day, which our governors are invited to as well. So we have a real kind of like meaty discussion. And and inevitably, there are there are parts of that conversation that are uncomfortable um because you know it may be things that we're not quite there with yet um but I think that's the important thing having that growth mindset and being able to say actually do you know what we're not there yet but we're willing to make a difference I think is really important um I think that um it's very easy to say that we kind of like you know we're kind of post-pandemic now for two years it's kind of over but the lasting effects of things like social interaction and um the anxiety and the mental health um, that's something that's going to be ongoing. So to that end, we are kind of exploring things like um, art therapy and, um, you know, pet therapy to support our children and and understanding that, that sometimes uh, children are very resilient and yes. sometimes they present very well, but that can change with, you know, with the passage of time. And to be able to kind of have practitioners on at Chalk Face who, are, who can recognise that and and be able to to kind of have systems in place where they can come forward and say do you know what I'm really worried about such and such a child you know is there anything that we can do and being able to provide a logistical element as as a leadership team I think is really important and I think every year going back and saying okay fine we did that really well maybe we need to move work more on this um what are the needs of our children um and being able to do that in a in a way that involves the whole entire school community, including your stakeholders, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the children that might be coming in, say, for you from September, will have been maybe like one or six months old or something, you know, when the pandemic hit. So, mm. And it would have affected their, their, yeah. their families. So it would affect their parents and things. And, you know, a lot of our EAL families are here on their own so they don't have that extended you know network of support they don't necessarily have the grandparents or the aunts and uncles the cousins um and you know for for the parents to have been going through kind of like you know that social anxiety and that you know those those mental health challenges shut down didn't they as well you know a lot of support absolutely absolutely things like that were all off limits weren't they at the time absolutely and I think that that's that's kind of something definitely to consider because then that inadvertently has an impact on the children um which who they come to you um and then there are still some families we still have families who are very anxious about you know um accessing services that are available locally because they're worried about um you know 
the after effects of the pandemic um, and things. And, and we think that, you know, we're kind of far gone and we've kind of made that change. But for some families, it's a very real consideration um, and a real challenge still. And it's about yeah. kind of like, you know, navigating support for those families and signposting them to to local um, organisations that will be able to support further. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's even with what, wearing like the COVID masks and having a different view isn't it of people's talking and things like that and that maybe they haven't been able to see that and things yeah I mean we we're having a um, an open day coming up um in the next couple of weeks and um one of the conversations I was having with my team was around whether or not we you know to to invite parents back in because generally on the first day the parents will spend you know half an hour 40 minutes with their children and they've been coming into the the classrooms which is fine but then being able to have that extended period of time and having a lot of them and we sort of manage that manage that at the moment but being able to do it in that capacity where it's very much like free flow and and things like that it was a real conversation and we were we were kind of thinking you know it hasn't happened for a while and we did have you know um certain members of staff who were still a bit anxious about it but actually being able to provide them with some reassurance and a plan essentially um go some way to kind of relieve some of their anxieties and I I can expect that if if our staff are a bit worried there'll be parents on the other side who are equally kind of concerned as well um but being able to provide that um kind of safe space um where it's okay and we understand um I think I think really sends a strong message to to prospective parents um, and any parents really yeah yeah, definitely. There's um, so much to consider, isn't there, still? And it's still ongoing, isn't it? Which is um, a real, a real battle. Um, well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Have you got um, any other sort of information or any other top tips you'd like to give before we finish? Um, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think I, I think I have covered everything I mean it's one of those topics that you can kind of talk for hours talk um, on. <laughs> um but but I have to say that the other podcasts um I have been listening to and they're absolutely great so um if you're kind of looking for specific things I would recommend maybe the listeners go and and listen to those as well oh thank you that's brilliant um and we're hoping that we'll continue to cover sort of every topic and and really explore sort of what our EA learners are either finding difficult or what staff are finding difficult Um, and we'll write all this up in a blog as well and we're hoping this episode will go out pretty sharpish and then you can listen before the summer break which will be good lovely Um, thanks so much much. thank you bye-bye this podcast was brought to you by helen bodell from twinkle eal we have over 900,000 resources and you can find all of our eal resources at www.twinkle.co.uk you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter and pinterest by searching twinkle eal Why not subscribe to our podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music and RedCircle.com. You could also leave us a review. If you have any questions you'd like answered on our podcast, please get in touch on our social channels.